I am Sumit Gupta and this is Choosing Leadership, a podcast for high performers with big dreams at work and life. This is a podcast for people who know deep inside that there is more. Have you achieved a great deal of success, but on the inside you still feel empty and like an imposter? Do other people see you as a strong leader and you wonder why it still feels so lonely and suffocating? The aim of this podcast is not to provide you more content, but instead shift the context under which you operate. I dare to speak to the tremendous power which you already have rather than what you believe are your strengths and limitations. This podcast is called Choosing Leadership because that is what leadership is, a choice. And this is the Leadership Journey series. I am interviewing leaders with an interesting story to learn how they got where they are today. We all have a lot to learn from each other's stories of where we started, where we are now and our successes and struggles on the way. With this series of interviews, my attempt is to give leaders an opportunity to share their stories and for all of us to learn from their generous sharing. Theo is the co-founder and CEO at D2X Group, the pan-European digital derivatives exchange. Prior to D2X, Theo was trading equity derivatives and he is an alumni of London Business School and McGill University. In the interview, Theo shares how he has been exposed to a very multicultural environment ever since he was a child. We talk about the importance of building a great organization instead of just building a great product and the difference between what is important and what is urgent. We talk about transparency, courage and loneliness, especially as a leader and how perfectionism is not a scalable strategy. And we also speak about the value of thinking long term. Hi, Theo. Welcome to the Choosing Leadership Podcast. Hi, Sameer. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's wonderful to have you here. So to begin with, can you share a little bit about yourself, who you are and what do you do? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So yeah, my name is uh, Theodore. Uh, I'm French originally. Um, now the CEO and co-founder of, of D2X. So I'm uh, very much an expat. So while I'm, I'm French, I never actually lived in France. I was uh, born in Switzerland, grew up in Luxembourg, so moved around quite a lot. Then basically started my my studies in Canada. So I have a background in, in mathematics. I spent four years there, which were also basically the years where my interest for financial markets uh, and derivatives in particular really started. Basically started with lots of internships in the space. So banks for the most part. After my, my bachelor's, I decided to move to London and basically started my career at Natixis, the French investment bank where basically I joined an equity derivatives desk, basically covering hedge funds and asset managers for the volatility trading business. So yeah, so a segment, uh, a subset of the derivatives trading in general, which was quite a fascinating experience. So I was in, involved in both vanilla trading, so very simple and straightforward products, but also light exotics and a bit more yeah, exotic structures like uh, dispersion trading, which is something that, that I found uh, uh, very exciting. After that, basically, at some point, I decided to leave the company, went back to school. So I did a master's uh, at the London Business School and then uh, basically took on a role at a company called All Options here in Amsterdam, where I'm currently based. So I, I took on a role as a derivatives trader, first trading listed options on the Dutch index and moved to the European tech sector, European bank. Shortly after that, left the company as I met with Don, who is the CTO and yeah, one of the co-founders here at D2X and where we had this uh, 
great idea to start an exchange. Yeah. So tell me more about your upbringing. You said you moved around a lot and what, like what pulled you towards entrepreneurship? Yeah. So the moving around is not uh, something I decided myself. It was mainly driven by, by my parents back in the day, but I think I'm quite grateful for, for all of these experiences because I got to well see uh, quite a lot of of different environments. So I was always exposed to a very multicultural environment. And what, what really pulled me to entrepreneurship, I think it's hard to pinpoint exactly what, but lo looking back, I always had this sort of entrepreneurial mindset and lots of the things that, that, that I've done in my life. So I think it was only a matter of time before uh, it happened. I had a, a first startup back, uh, back in university in a completely unrelated field, but just basically an idea uh, that I had and that, that I wanted to basically a start back then did that with a few of my, uh, a few of my friends. Um, and, and that was really my first real entrepreneurial experience. So it's a company we incorporated when we were in Canada, ran it for uh, slightly under a year. We tried to, to bootstrap it, but ran out of cash a bit, a bit too early, but lo lots of really relevant and important takeaways that uh, are extremely useful to me uh, today. Yeah. And as you have lived in these multiple countries, right? Is there any one or two incidents that you remember that have shaped you as a person and then as a leader as well now? So I think, again, it would be hard to, to really pinpoint one thing in, in particular. I would say more than particular events, it was more the people that I met. So I've been surrounded, I think, by entrepreneurs, which came in all sorts of, well, different kinds. Some had these, this entrepreneurial mindset, but were effectively building new businesses as part of a, a larger organization. Some were really starting their, their own businesses. And, and that was really in, in the very different industries. I have, I have three siblings, uh, two of them are also entrepreneurs. So I think uh, maybe there's something in the, in the upbringing as well. Definitely. Yeah. And what about uh, the financial markets? How did you get pulled towards that? Yeah, I think I started getting really, becoming really passionate about financial markets. I would say, yeah, during my undergraduate studies, again, what was really nice about the, this program at McGill University was that basically the, the content of the program was quite quantitative. So really um, enabled you to go towards these more technical roles as well. And then the program had basically four months long summers meaning you could actually spend a lot of time getting experience. Uh, so quite early on was attracted to, to the financial markets because of this technical aspect, the, the quantitative aspect, but also the fact that it's such a dynamic environment. Basically, yeah, that aligned really well with what I was looking for. And I think it always gave me lots of uh, adrenaline in, in a good way, in the sense that I was always super excited to, to wake up in the morning, catch up with everything that was going on. And yeah, basically getting involved with trading and so on. Yeah. And how does, how does your day look like? Is it still very technical or like being a CEO, is it more like talking to people, building relationships and dealing uh, with uh, like everything which comes along with that? I think it's uh, uh, really uh, a bit of both. So my roles were more technical, I would mm -hmm. say. Currently, uh, we're still basically building everything. We're building the, the products. I still uh, am very involved in, in the, the development of the product, which has lots of very technical components to them where I can really leverage my past experience. But yes, yeah, the CEO of the company, I'm also extremely involved on the commercial side of things, dealing with investors, potential partners as well, stakeholders in general, actually. The human component is an extremely important one. Uh, I also spent a lot of time basically uh, trying to shape D2X as mm. an organization. I think that was one of the big realization I made uh, when, when started that it's basically one thing to build a great exchange or a great product in general, but it's something completely different to build a great organization around it. Yeah. And how has that journey been? 
journey been or that shift been? Right? What what do you find most challenging in shifting from the technical to the more people side of? I think in general the any context switch is it can be quite uh, quite draining. It's I think difficult to be very focused on on different things in general. So I try to really structure my days and weeks, really be focused on what is important uh, slash urgent at that mm. moment. Actually, the notion of important versus urgent is, is an interesting one because as, a, as an early stage company CEO, there's a lot of urgent things, but it's important to still find the time to work on the important things. So I think, yeah, structure is, is really the key here. And yeah, then I think it's, again, really a question of, of mindset, even in the things that are not technical per se, I think maybe it's due to my mathematics background, I don't know, or my very rational approach to things, but I try to approach things in a technical manner and logical manner in, in general, even when they're not technical uh, in nature. Yeah. And how does that play out with people or with relationships? Sometimes good, sometimes not as good. I think in general, and, and especially here at D2X, things have been going tremendously well. And I think that's also really because we spent a lot of time thinking about how we want to structure the organization, how we want to structure the, the dynamic between people. We, I consider myself very lucky and I'm very grateful to be working with people who I also really look up to uh, in terms of their expertise, skill set. And in a way, we're also very much like-minded in our approach, in our rational approach to, to things. We like to foster an, an environment where basically it doesn't matter whether you're uh, a founder or, or an intern, but really mm -hmm. the best arguments should win in a debate and that's how decisions uh, are made. Yeah, so uh, I can see a lot of uh, ballast in in your approach, and also a lot of uh, principle based uh, approach, right? In listening to other people, how are you learning? Because you are still very young, you are very new in the in being a CEO and driving an organization forward. So, how are you taking care of your own learning, and whom are you relying upon to get that strength, which I can sense in your voice? Yeah, uh, no, you're absolutely right. This uh, whole experience is is, is rel relatively new to me. It's not even two years that I'm in this position, and then the team has already grown to, to 20 exceptional uh, talents. So that comes with its fair share of challenges. The learning component, it, it's key. It matters a lot to me personally, but I think it's also quite natural in, in such a, a dynamic and, and demanding environment. I often say that I've never learned as much in, well, such a short amount of time. Because as a founder, as a CEO, you basically have to do everything, right? So I found myself doing things that I never thought I would ever have to even think about. But that's actually the part that I enjoy the most. Coming from a, a mathematical uh, slash finance background, I never thought I would have to deal with HR uh, matters, which I now found extremely interesting, for example. Again, that, that comes back to the concept of building an organization. Topics like project management also. And yeah, I think... That's also accompanied by me doing lots of reading on the side on things that I'm uh, not as comfortable with, for example. And in terms of advice, I, I really try to surround myself with people who can uh, and are willing to give me this advice so that can come in the form of advisors to, to the company, which, which mm -hmm. we have a few. Uh, we essentially started with a set of five advisors, three of them having joined the, the company full-time, uh, but it's also our investors. Uh, so we raised two funding rounds and uh, I have these bi-weekly calls with them that are that take the form of a sort of feedback session, but where basically I'm also able to express my my challenges and hear their take on it because they also have a different perspective. They, they've seen companies in, in similar stages to ours. So basically, yeah, that's also really part of the learning experience for me. Yeah, I think uh, that's very critical because uh, you're not trying to do it all alone. 
or you're not trying to be a hero and you're looking for people who have done it before and then regularly engaging in them and actually listening to their feedback because I work with a lot of leaders. So it's very two different things to have an advisor relationship, but then to actually do it regularly and to actually take their input seriously and then to act on that. So thank you for sharing that. Is, is there something which people get it wrong about you or misunderstand about you? That, that's a good question. Yeah, I think I'm a pretty transparent person in general. I'm quite uh, open-minded. I like to have discussions. So even when people maybe uh, have misconceptions on how I behave or what I think, I try to, to clarify things sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think in general, no, I try. I really try to be an, an open book. Yeah, I think that's how that's how I've always been. And, and I want to keep uh, being like that. That also comes with uh, certain challenges. Uh, Sometimes it might be better uh, to keep certain things uh, from certain people who are not always, yeah, who do not always have the the best intentions. Uh, But in general, I'm uh, a big believer in transparency. And that's also, again, Mm -hmm. an environment we try to to foster here at D2X. It is often said that leadership can be lonely, then you can feel alone. Do you also feel that? Because uh, what you're sharing is like opening up or sometimes being transparent. It also required, requires courage. It's, it's not easy. Right? Mm-hmm. So how, how do you deal with that? Do you, do you feel that leadership is lonely or do you like, or is it going, going beyond your comfort zone when, you, when it comes to sharing and when it comes to being transparent? Yes, I think, uh, yes, it's, there is some loneliness in it. There, there is, of course, uh, a lot of courage that is needed and I, I do have to get out of my comfort zone, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, really, I'm, I'm extremely grateful for all of that personally. I think the, the loneliness um, perhaps comes through the, the misconception on uh, that, that certain people might have on, on the role of a leader uh, within an, organi- an organization. And basically, while it does feel lonely, sometimes I still feel that as an organization, we're really in this together. And I, I try not to be a leader that basically just dictates what, what people should do. I really try to empower people as much as possible. I think that's probably something a lot of CEOs uh, would say. I'm not sure if we all do, but at least it's really one of my uh, guiding principles. So working hard every day to make that happen. Uh, I think on the day-to-day, uh, it's not always realistic to do that, but it's really the, the sort of dynamic that I want to have here. I think it's very important because uh, this is directly tied into courage, right? What you share. As a CEO, it's often too easy to fall into that trap of controlling everything or trying to control everything. But uh, giving freedom comes with that responsibility of letting people make their mistakes sometimes and sometimes having those discussions when people have different point of views. No, absolutely. I think especially as as an organization, when you're growing fast, if you basically decide to micromanage, Mm -hmm. it's not going to be a a good outcome in most situations just because it's not possible. I personally had my fair share of challenges when it comes to delegating tasks. I'm a bit of a a perfectionist in in certain things. And I think I used to be a a bit of a control freak in Mm -hmm. certain ways, but I've been working a lot uh, on that. And Basically, uh, I think that relates to trust a lot. So when you start building trust in, in the people uh, that are in your organization, then you're uh, finally able to, to delegate tasks and, and really also help them grow and take ownership and leadership for themselves, you know? Yeah. So what, what have you learned around that? If somebody who is a perfectionist and who is a control freak, if you would have to give that person advice, especially if they are in a leadership position, what have you learned around that? And what would you like maybe give an advice to somebody like that? 
Yeah, I think perfectionism and looking for control works well in certain settings, but I think it's not a scalable strategy. So the sooner you, you realize that, the, the better off you are usually. For me, what really uh, made the difference was uh, surrounding myself with people that I could trust. Instead of basically surrounding myself with lots of people, I would rather surround myself with a smaller uh, number of, of people that I look up to so that I, I can fully trust them and, and that they will actually deliver a, a good output in terms of quality, in terms of time. And at some point, I think you just have to be a bit pragmatic with, with these things. I think in French, there is a, a saying that perfect is the enemy of the great, because effectively by aiming for perfect, you'll probably not achieve anything. So it's really where you set the, the cursor for yourself. and. I think here having helicopter view, so also being able to to take a step back and see the, the big picture is really helpful. Hmm. Yeah, I think uh, trust is a very important factor and it's also tied into courage because it requires courage to trust somebody fully and also it requires trust to be courageous. So it's I think these two form a cycle and sometimes uh, we don't see that. But thank you for like touching upon both trust and courage. So how do you manage pressure? How do you manage overwhelm? I think that's part of every leader's job, especially in a startup, in a fast-growing environment. How do you deal with that? Yeah, I wish I had a, a really good answer. It's still something I'm working on. It's still a big challenge. Uh, I think the pressure is constant. I, I used to see entrepreneurship as, as a marathon rather than a sprint. And, and then I realized it's actually probably a, a marathon, but at the pace of a sprint. So it is really important to be able to, to, to release some of the pressure. What I found extremely challenging, especially at the start, was disconnecting. But I think it's necessary. If you're not able to disconnect, then you, you can't basically keep up with, with the bandwidth that's required to, to outperform. So basically, yeah, taking a little bit of time to, to myself, taking a few days off every now and then, though I still find that challenging to, to do in practice. Something that also uh, really changed my life and released lots of the pressure that, that I was feeling was just exposure to social media notifications, mm. things like that. At some point, I decided to basically stop looking at my phone during the day, for example, not look at emails um, as often. So I would, for example, close my, my mailbox and only check it every two hours or so. And just being able to stay away from all, all of these distractions already felt like such a, a relief uh, for myself. And I was also able to achieve a lot more uh, because I was able to focus. Uh, and I think finding the focus is also uh, definitely a big challenge when there are so many mm. things going on. So yeah, basically reducing the amount of, of distractions and structuring your day in order to be able to focus on things like deep work. Um, yeah, also something I've been uh, working on in recent weeks. Yeah, sounds like you have done a lot of work on yourself and you continue to do. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's necessary. I think we all think, or at least most of us think we're superhumans when we start these things. And then we think we sometimes overlook the mental health component. But again, this is a long-term thing. You want to build a lifestyle that is healthy and sustainable. Yeah. And now zooming into a little bit into the future, can you share where are you headed? What does a successful and purposeful future look like to you? Yeah, sure. For me, my my success currently really translates into the well, the division we have for for D2X, and again, not necessarily in what we're building as an exchange, but more as an organization. There is a funny story about the D2X, not really a story, but basically, when we decided what we wanted to to call the company, we decided to add the word group next to it uh, because from the start we knew that yes, we have a, a project that we're working on now, uh, something we want to see uh, uh, live, but 
that's not the end, right? That's not the end game. So group is really here to constantly remind us that it's only the start and, and there are so many more things that we can. And to me, the success will really happen when uh, we have an organization where people are fulfilled, where we are, we're all great performers and we're achieving great things together. And I think, yeah, that's also what, what really drives me. I see this more and more as, as a people's experience rather than just a personal one. And yeah, so I'm really committed to, to make that happen. Yeah, and I want to acknowledge that especially because uh, even in the last 30 minutes that we have been talking about, you have spoken multiple times about the organization, about uh, the culture that you're building and not just the product or the raising the funds or like optimizing or dealing with the, the situation in the market. So I want to appreciate because you are able to do both. You are able to zoom in to your business and make sure that everything is uh, is on track. But at the same time, you're also able to zoom out and think maybe longer term, think beyond and think not just about what is best for now, for the next week, next month, but what is best for the next few years. And then, yeah, I think that's not trivial. So I want to highlight and acknowledge that. Yeah, no, I think again, that's really the the difference between urgent and, and important. And you you need to to do both, right? Urgent needs to be done now, but important needs to be done nonetheless. So again, it, it's finding this balance. I think when you're focused, when you're surrounded with, with good people, the urgent, you'll always find a way to, to achieve. Even if it means you're going to pull one or two all-nighters in the week, uh, that's not the end of the world, but really be able to being able to find the time for the, the long-term and the important matters, I think that really is the, the key. Yeah, I think that's a very good summary. Yeah. And to and to wrap up, right, do you do you have any thoughts or any advice for anybody who wants to be an entrepreneur, but yet they, they are doubtful or they are scared or they have something in, in the way? Yeah, no, definitely. Being scared is absolutely normal. I was extremely scared when I did it. I remember the, the day I resigned from my previous job. I think 15 minutes later, I was almost shaking, uh, thinking, oh my God, uh, what have I just done? Am I really doing this? I think fundamentally, there's never a, a perfect time uh, to start. But if you're really driven, if something really drives you, there's something you really want to do, and you're in a situation in your life where you can do it, where it's possible, you can make it work, then you just need to take the leap of faith and and try. Waiting for the perfect moment, you're going to wait for your whole life, most likely. So yeah, I think at some point you have to make the, the crazy decision to to try and and no matter the outcome, it's usually a great learning experience. I, I think if I look back at my first entrepreneurial experience, especially my parents back then, they weren't as, I think, yeah, as happy with it. They probably saw it as a waste at the time, but now they also do really see that it did help me a lot in getting where I am today and that all of these experiences, basically they make sense in hindsight. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's impossible to have everything figured out in, in the present. So. Yeah, in a way, leadership and entrepreneurship is a way of growing up and faster. And, and I love it when you say that being scared is normal. I think this is such an important statement because what I, what I normally say or what I have learned is that like fear, nobody escapes fear because as long as you are a human being, you will have fear. The only thing is, can you accept it or not? And for a lot of people, just saying that it's normal, I'm feeling afraid, I'm feeling scared is difficult. And actually that makes it more difficult to deal with it. The moment you say that this is what I'm feeling, that makes it easier for you to actually move forward from that. Yeah. And, and and also the second thing about being ready, I think being waiting for the perfect moment, because yes, as you said, you will never be ready. You will always have reasons to, to postpone or to see that next today, today is not the right day. So yeah. I think that's a good advice. And especially coming from you, as you yourself said, right, you, you have been a perfectionist. It's a, it's a very, it's a paradox, but it's a very good advice that you shared. 
So for anybody who wants to get in touch with you or find out more about your work, how can they do so? Yeah, I'm quite active on LinkedIn, for example. I, I usually accept most requests, even uh, private messages. I, I usually try to find some time to, to answer these questions. D2X.com, that's our website. Uh, you can also find lots of information there on, on what we're building. And uh, yeah, any questions, any information you would like to have on uh, the, the business or myself personally, always happy to, to hop on a quick call uh, to discuss. Thank you. Thank you, Theo, for spending this time with us and sharing uh, uh, up everything about your experience, your learnings and the advice that you gave. Wonderful. My pleasure. Thanks yeah. for having me again. And I want to wish you best for everything that lies ahead for you. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Choosing Leadership with Sumit Gupta. I choose leadership every time I record this podcast and I invite you to do the same. I invite you to design a life of joy, meaning, pride and satisfaction, not just for yourself, but also for those around you. This is what I do most naturally, to lovingly and gently provoke you, to help you see your own light, to help you see what you are already capable of. I say what might be uncomfortable for me to say or for you to hear, to show you that all our dreams which have been on hold are within our grasp. If you like the sound of it, do not forget to leave a rating. I invite you to subscribe to my newsletter at deployyourself.com slash newsletter. You can also reach out on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook to share any other comment or feedback. I want to thank everyone who contributed to making this show a reality. And thank you for listening. Always remember that you are enough, you are loved and you matter. This is Sumit. Until next time. Keep choosing leadership.